0: Claude is saying, like, so destructive. Because in the (laughs) the 16mm educational film, they're like, don't do this, kids. And they're, like, breaking windows and paintings. So destructive. (laughs) That is maybe my favorite moment. I know. Me too. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef.
1: They just seem a little weird. A little weird. <laughs>
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> oh, man. oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, man. That song is so good in this movie. Um, it really is. Um, yeah. It's, oh, it's it,
0: great. It rips. We'll get it into rips. it.
1: Yeah, we definitely yeah. will. Uh, welcome to uh, One Fucking Hour, everybody. Of course, this is the show where we talk about one movie for one fucking hour i am evan husney and joined of course i got to my left over here we got tom fitzgerald tom what's going on you must be pretty yeah hey,
0: uh, oh uh, you could say that um <laughs> this is a this is a big classic for me so i'm glad we got around to it all right
1: and we got marcus herring what's going on marcus
2: hey i'm just happy to be here oh yeah we're happy to have you did you, you see That's the all. film <laughs> have i seen <laughs> what what yeah no i've done none of this movie i've seen it when i was you know a teenager okay
1: okay okay okay
2: uh all right what, you don't believe me <laughs>
0: no <laughs> you I said just that? happy to be that? here <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never yeah. mind you said i'm happy to be here and you were like uh we're, never we're
1: jiving we're jiving with you man <laughs> uh all right so yeah it's a friendly banter for the opening of the show all right. we'll, we'll- like chemistry, I'm, no longer, like, yeah. I'm no
2: longer happy to be here.
0: <laughs> What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> no,
1: All right, here we go. Uh, we are talking episode number 48, guys. I closing, can't believe it. Closing in on 50. Kind of hard to believe. But uh, episode 48. Really? One fucking hour on Jonathan Kaplan's 1979 film, Over the Edge. All right. You ready for the clock? No, but let's do it. Okay. I'm going to start that <laughs> clock. Here we go. Bam. All right. little background before we get into this whole conversation here. Um, all right. So, Over the Edge is a uh, supremely authentic portrait of late 70s teenage rebellion in the dawn of a sterile suburban frontier. It's also a snapshot uh, of a culture on the brink of Reagan's America telegraphing both the war on drugs and youth counterculture set within the confines of a planned community where material obsessed baby boomer parents and authority figures clash with the local youth over the edge depicts a generational divide that erupts into an all-out war precipitated by the murder of local dirtbag hero richie played amazingly by a 14 year old matt Dillon. Guys, over the edge. This is a this is a huge one for me too. I mean, I I, I probably yeah. only saw this for the first time maybe five or six years ago. So I, I'm a little oh. bit of an over the edge newbie. But man, it quickly shot up to one of my favorite you know films of the 70s. Again, we love talking about movies from 79 <laughs> and 1980, 81 yeah. on the show. And- yeah. I I wonder
0: what the percentage is, the breakdown. It's like (laughs) 75% probably. I don't know.
1: (laughs) It's insane. But this is right up there uh, as one of the all-timers of that specific category. Um, But anyway, this is a really special movie. um, uh, But I think it's really fascinating because we're going to get into a lot here talking about this movie. But I think it's equally fascinating with the movie is how troubled – and weird and confusing the history of the release of this film was because it didn't like, you know, hit theaters and was a, you know, success or a failure. I mean, basically it had a, it had a hard time coming out. Isn't that right, Tom?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, so, okay. So it's the late seventies, like we're saying. And uh, for whatever reason, a bunch of gang films had come out about 1978 to 79. And uh, right. there were two of them in particular, the warriors and uh, uh, Boulevard nights, but LA gangs and there were actual incidents at the screenings in the theater, just outside the theater. Because I believe, from what I understand, well, rival gangs would come to see the same movie. So they'd so have
2: A bunch of clowns get... with baseball bats showed up at the Warriors to <laughs> Right, <us>. exactly.
0: <laughs> wow. So, okay, anyway, so the, so the studios got spooked and I think, so it's like Warner Brothers, and this was supposed to be uh, Orion, their subsidiary, Orion Pictures' first film. Actually, a little wow. bit of film history but they pulled it um and their uh, some say that was their excuse was well let me actually back up slightly because um the film gets made warner brothers was kind of having a lot of notes quote unquote so it felt like it was going to have a shaky time that i think the director was thinking like they don't know how to or want to package this critics liked it but what warner brothers did was um distribute a, a pre-trailer before the uh the exhibition and it looks just like you're going to a horror movie. And we're going to show it later. Yeah, we're going to show it later in the screening. I have a very rare copy of the original over the um, uh, edge trailer. And it wow. looks like the brood, like the kids have like red eyes and they're just staring at you and there's ominous music. Like, uh. so, <laughs> so the thing is, people would see the trailer and then they'd see over the edge and they'd go, this isn't a horror movie at all. Weird. Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, it's so like then, a killer um, kid
1: kind of thing. It's like a killer kid thing. Is like they're weird?
0: possessed you'll see weird. in the trailer it's like uh that's wild. it's like, it's the, like opposite. The, <laughs> the opposite the opposite themes yeah, no I know it's it's a am- well they didn't it's like one of the you know it's classic studio stuff they're like what do we do with this we don't like it we didn't really want to make it anyway that kind of thing so let's just try to throw it away as a horror movie in, in drive-ins so no one liked it but like a couple critics liked it in the preview markets still then some say Warner Brothers used as an excuse that there was Uh, street gang violence at gang movies so they just pulled it it didn't play really until later in 1981 and then they made another mistake and they had it in their sort of fine arts subsidiary and that got that got the film in places like new york city at the highest of art houses like the most tony kind of uh, upscale art houses where they have carrot cake in the concession stand that kind of thing. and it did like it did like okay there that's not a good place for it either so it was like eh. and but uh Vincent Capney the New York Times guy kind of put it in his top 20 or whatever around that time uh so it got some critical notices but still nothing like people weren't seeing it and it wasn't connecting at all cut to 1984 and it played constantly and I can personally attest to this on the movie channel or showtime or something hbo it
1: it was a big hbo i don't know
0: i don't know (laughs) exactly but um i was a kid then and of course i really you know connected it instantly i was like what i'm hearing like the ramones and like first van halen album so i watched it every time it was on and all my friends did and so i know it like the back of my hand Mm -hmm. but this is where it broke this is where it did become a thing Mm -hmm. it's one of those cable babies because like we have talked about this. this is not the first time we talked about this. When films tank in the theater, often they would overplay at ca- on cable because right. they were cheap, and the cable station went, "Well, we can just play this one for ninety nine cents." You know, unlike playing uh, The Shining like once a week on right. cable. You know what I mean? Right. So that got people to really see these films. You know. Um, so anyway, that's it, and that's my story. I did really see it a lot as a kid, and. I was subscribing to Hit Parader magazine at the time, and just an anecdote. And I was very excited about their poll of who the best guitar player in the world is. And that's literally when this film was playing like uh, every day uh, before I went to school and stuff. So um, yeah, that's all. So 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 it did connect, and it connected with people like Kurt Cobain. I was just going to say. I mean, that's kind of where I
1: I was going to pick that up right there, real quick. Is that that's what I sort of remember about you know th- this film's infamy was because it was I think Kurt Cobain's like favorite film or something or one of you yeah. know and, and he really connected it changed it his it. life it changed his life and he really found that it was you know super authentic and spoke to him in many ways and so that was cool I mean you, it was cool because you'd always find out about cool bands through Kurt Cobain but it's also cool to find out right. about a really cool movie like yeah. this through him but I also there's, love there's a that there's page it's, in his yeah.
0: journal about it you know what I mean he does talk, write about it
1: oh wow that's awesome yeah Marcus Hercuse? yeah
2: Oh, just you know the the same, uh, basically because I came online like you know as a as a teenager like in the '90s. So this movie was already like sort of in the cultural fabric somewhat. You know, it wasn't like a lost thing anymore because people like Kurt were mentioning it, and then also like uh, you know uh, Richard Linklater, you know Days Confused, and like. Harmony Corinne, like kids you know this would come up in interviews you would read it here and there so like it, it was already a movie that was a touchstone it landed really hard with the Xers apparently you know it was already like a big touchstone movie by the time I came on so like I it's never hearing that it would like that it wasn't at the box office and stuff like, I, I think we were arguing earlier like about whether or not the Wipers song over the edge was a reference to it or not and Like, uh, you know, you were like, I don't think so. And I was like, well, he did work at a movie theater. Greg Sage worked at a movie theater in 78. But, you know, there's a chance. I mean, it it probably didn't even play in Portland, right? It only opened in like a few American cities. So maybe he didn't even see it between when it came out and when that album did. So it's,
0: it's, it was never a lost movie to me. Nobody saw it till Cable, you know, and just the, just to put the button on Kurt Cobain a little bit. He does write one page of it is in the, um, his journals but you know the big thing actually is that uh smells like teen spirit video right uh he's just told the director he just told the director and maybe showed him the videotape he went I want that so yeah. what he's doing mm-hmm. his right. idea for the teen spirit video is to have a, a high school riot you know yeah. so um, that and rock and, and roll school. high school yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's also it's it's yeah, it's 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 totally amazing. And um, but this thing too, like looking at the movie and when it's coming out and uh, probably the studio being afraid of it or not knowing how to classify it. It's also interesting to put into the context of like, you know, yes, there was rock and roll high school, right? And what year was that? Was that seventy eight? Seventy eight. Seventy eight. Right. So which is interesting that they wouldn't see this as kind of like a, a, a way like to sort of play into that market with this movie. Cause I think you definitely could have, but there also wasn't that many kind of high school films that would become yeah. much more popular into the eighties. And so this like John, thing, the, Hughes. Yeah, yeah. The John Hughes, yeah, John Hughes. So this is really credited as being a forerunner to all of those, you know, that whole eighties yeah. stretch of high school. Yeah. You know, the director
0: films. is, is, uh, has noted that there's a quote like in the commentary, like I'm the connective tissue, this film with, Rebel Without a Cause, and uh, 16 Candles. Oh,
2: I, had, I mean, always I had the same thought when, when I was reading – when I was re- watching the, re-watching the movie, I was seeing this continuum of like Rebel Without a Cause and, uh, you know, all the way uh, – uh, wild in the streets, over the edge, you know, pop up the yeah. volume, uh, yeah. River's Edge, you know, yeah, days to confuse like – yeah there's this like continuum of of yeah. teen films that just bubbles right below the well, surface of like I, mega yeah, hit movies can
0: yeah. i just say jonathan kaplan you know the director uh he just had kind of like a, a one phrase sentence for warner brothers he said rebel without a cause 78 you know <laughs> and, they, and that's that's what they signed up for that's what they, they I, I think they were disappointed i think what they didn't like about it guys was um you know how it's not like marketed like uh Roll High School. It was a it, the thing is there's a downer. You know, mm. it's not fun. True. You know. Yeah. I mean it is fun, but it's not like Right. Entertainment.
1: Right. Well, yeah, right. And and I think it's well it's interesting cuz of the the rebel without a cause thing. Definitely I thought about when I was watching this and I think this kind of dovetails into maybe a first start like an uh, like another talking point here mm-hmm. is the idea of with rebel without a cause it's obviously like you know, here you have teenagers standing up, you know, to the establishment, to the the sort of square, you know, life of the previous generation. You have the generational clash, you know, things sort of going on. And that's, you know, then, of course, after Rebel Without a Cause, you have the 60s, you have counterculture, you have everybody goes wild and crazy, and then the pendulum swings back again. And now we have everything leaning up to conservatism, and you have, you know, Ronald Reagan about to get elected eventually. And so I think it's interesting how that sort of plays, it's very cyclical going from, you know, Rebel Without a Cause. You know the movie and the time that it came out into this, right. and I think a huge part of Over the Edge. I think what this movie is even about. It's funny. I read a someone's college dissertation that they did on Over the Edge, which is pretty great actually, and they cool. really talked about how this movie is about real estate. That's what it's really about. And it's oh about, my god,
0: yeah, uh, two seconds. Sure, Kurt's note. In uh, journals is like it's about bad parents, alienation, and real estate development.
1: Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> that's a <crit> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. That's that's incredible because it. I, I think it really is. You know, in a lot of ways, it's that whole you know white flight thing. You know, where yeah. all the white mm-hmm. people are you know, panicking, leaving the city, and you have all these new suburban like developments that are sort of happening. And Ooh. um and and it's really interesting watching this movie is that it sort of feels like these kids are like prisoners you know in this artificial society you have all these you know materialistic you yeah. know people who you know all these boomers who have their things there's actually some great lines in the film that really play up, you know, play this up, and as a major theme in the film. Remember, there's that one guy who's got the firecrackers in his uh, in his car that gets set off or whatever. One of the kids. Yeah, the
0: visiting the, investor guy.
1: Yeah, the visiting investor, and they put the fireworks in his car, and he basically corners, you know, Carl, the main kid, the star, the star of the the star of the film. You know, uh, uh, he he pulls Carl's father to the side and says,
0: "You got a lot more juvenile trouble." Seems to me like you all were in such a hopped up hurry to get out of the city that you turn your kids into exactly what you're trying to get away from.
1: And it's kind of interesting, you know, in terms of just like, you know, how this, this movie is something that's really dealing head on with the darkness, the hellish nightmare of,
0: you know, suburban developments. Suburban you and know. bored teenagers. Well, yeah. this is probably a good time. You know, we haven't discussed it. It's based on a true story, <laughs> you know. So this right. happened uh Foster City in the Bay Area around there uh 1974. and what we're talking about are these like Mick, Mick towns, you know like McDonald's Mick towns, where uh, it's a kind of social engineering where it was like you know it's marshland and then they're like well why don't we just have an entire community and like you said it's white flight but it's also just like um what would be let's make the perfect place for 30 something you know boomer adults And they didn't factor in teenagers. So this happened in real life in Foster City. And it was much worse. The riot. 150 cars were destroyed in Foster City. Yeah, I know. And um, a cop was badly injured, not killed. And I'm spacing on it. Um, Oh, they cut all the power in the town. The teenagers. It was really hardcore shit. So what happened is the San Francisco Examiner did a whole uh, essay or essays on it uh which i really want to look up um and um the it was like writers, teenage
1: crime uh, wave or something it was like a teenage crime wave like panic sort of thing right
0: kind of like, yeah i guess yeah. so well they were just like you know just examining like like a hand rigging thing like why did this happen so anyway the writers of the film ah charlie hunter and this other guy shit charlie it's hunter tim, wound up tim tim hunter i think tim, tim, hunter, hunter, tim hunter
1: and bruce somebody uh, i'll look it up go yeah
0: ahead. but tim hunter who later did yeah. river's edge which is not dissimilar of course charlie anyway Huss. so they just Charlie Hos and you. Tim Hunter. So they just read this in the Examiner. I love movies that come from headlines, yeah. like the, the, the <laughs> you know, and then so yes. so anyway so uh, that's so this really happened uh, in Foster City, and um, they they went down there with uh, with Kaplan and they interviewed. They spent two weeks with the kids. Wow! So they really just sort of like walked around with like the whole world and maybe if you guys don't mind, I want to maybe dovetail into this and open it up to you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many masterful strokes in this film. It's not a hack film at all, and it's not cliched and big ups to the writers and Kaplan, even the producer, because they, they wanted to do, I'm just going to give you one example of what caught my eye. Only the four principles of this film are real act four or five are real actors. Uh, You know, the, the, um, you know Claude and, and Carl, and uh, of course Richie. Matt Dillon. Right. Yeah, and then like uh, and like Vincent Spano. But my point is, everyone else are just local Californian because they shot in Colorado, in, in another equivalent uh, you know development like this, um, like Foster City. And so they're not actors. There's tons of ad living as you can imagine. Like it was just like go. What would you say if cops were? shaking you down for drugs you know like uh you know like he's looking for his dick or whatever yeah. you know like <laughs>
1: yeah, a yeah, dead yeah. Kid, you
0: know dead kid never rats on a kid you know that kind of stuff yeah. so anyway i just wanted to update you guys i think that makes a huge difference because what what, what had happened was initially they went to high schools and and the, the the school would always um like at the school where they shot it they would put all the theater kids in front of the film producers and they would be like you know like uh
1: yeah like, right uh,
0: you know, yeah. like, uh, hey, you got, get your gun or whatever. And it's like, no. So they just got the dirtball kids from, yeah. a, you know, the smoking section around the back of the school yeah. and there in the film. And no one would have done that. And that's the kind of risky move that I don't think Warner Brothers liked. So,
1: no. And it's, it's, to it's, add it's on. Verite.
0: There's that thing, that Verite thing, guys. That they like. Yes.
1: Yeah.
2: Documentary aspect. The,
1: the, yeah. There's, there's one thing I also read too where actually a lot of the kids. Uh, who were cast? And actually, when you see the the credit scroll at the end of the film, the first person they credit is who did the casting, which you know obviously is a no shit you know, is a huge uh-huh. part of the film. But I also read that a lot of the casting of the kids was done out of New York, which explains why in the beginning uh, so the actors. Well, like, well, I don't know because there's a lot of New York accents flying around in this. Movie. <laughs> that was cracking me up. Yeah, yeah. this time this watch yeah. through. <laughs> It's like, hey, hey what are you, you doing hey? with my secretary?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, hey, what that you was making me laugh this time. Yeah,
1: too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I felt that that was kind of a funny thing. But the other kind of interesting tidbit is, yes, you're right. It was shot in Colorado, but what? I, but further examination, it was the neighboring suburb to oh, Columbine, yeah. which is I know. ten chilling, miles away. Chilling to know. Yeah. How about them apples? How about them apples? That's so that nuts. was crazy little thing. You know, a little factoid on that. But yes. That, to that, Go ahead.
2: I think that, that, that that's very dark. Uh, um, but I think that the, you know, the, the, the choice to use real people and, you know, is one of the great achievements in this film that they got, that they actually got it to work and it works so well. And yeah. I think it is part of the reason why it connects with people so much. Uh, you know, obviously like, Uh, A lot of us did grow up in the suburbs or small towns. There's nothing to do. That was was my situation. You know, I'm growing up in a small town. There was a rec (laughs) center and like that we would go to sometimes. My band would play at. But, uh, you know, it would close. But when it closed, there was nothing to do. We didn't like, you know. Uh, resort to violence, or whatever, but there was tons of kids on drugs, you know, I do remember a kid come, showed up to school on acid, you know, it's a small town, nothing to do, yeah. You just here. and at nighttime, you're just, you are literally just hanging out at the park, maybe a grocery store, walking around a grocery store or something, you know, it's parking lots.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Parking lots. Can I say what,
1: can I say what we used to, I mean, this is what people used to do in the suburb I grew up in. I mean, like the thing to do the bored teenager dirtbag thing to do was to stand in a circle in the Wendy's parking lot, bro. That's what, that's what my town used to do. Kill time. Wendy's Uh, parking lot. Yeah. I'm saying that's funny. Um,
2: (laughs) So um, if we
0: want to talk about the actors, like, um, you guys were saying the new york stuff and by the way they tried to cover carl's accent by saying you know if you heard that it's like well i lived in new york for a while and we moved here so there's- <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. yeah no 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 so let's 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 just want to clarify so the actors were yeah new york people but carl the actor was an who played him was an actor but matt Dillon. that's a crazy story not far from where i'm from in westchester amazing it was a legendary story like two towns away he was being um he was in trouble like they were casting the film in in this suburban um high school like around where i live in westchester county and they uh he wasn't applying they were getting probably theater kids to like audition and so he's running around and uh getting in trouble and I think he like got caught for like you know ditching class and smoking grass in the in the bathroom and they just noticed this guy you know the, the casting people who's incredibly charismatic Matt Dillon yeah. and he's like <laughs> what do you want I don't know what's going on and it's like they didn't trust him they're like is this some like gay thing we're gonna <laughs> shoot this in so yeah you know, I'm, I'm quoting and so um a star is born I mean like if he didn't happen to cause a ruckus when the casting crew casting people were there we would never know Matt Dillon, you know. It's, it's just that's
2: insane. It's incredible. And he's amazing. Was, he's amazing.
0: I, oh, yeah. he's great.
2: I, I, uh, I wish that his audition tape was floating around. It sounds hilarious, like that. They're asking him, like, "What is your? What do your parents do?" And he's like, "Ah, oh, my dad's a fucking stockbroker. Yeah, my right. mom, she don't do shit." You know, like, well, that. he's a rich. He's a rich kid
0: <laughs> dirtbag. You know, right. that's where I'm <laughs> right. <from> that's <Westchester. laughs> just like right. half the half the kids r- dirtbag kids were like millionaire sons, you know, and daughters. It's yeah, weird. weird. I it's love so Matt so
2: Dillon. He's such a great streak in the you know in the eighties. Oh, you know? fucking
0: awesome! I was, I was thinking, Little Darlings. I was just going Little say
2: you're Darlings. Taking it, so good. Ah, uh, you took yeah. it out of oh. my mouth.
1: I was just going to say, like, there's a great continuation. Uh, I feel like of this character in some ways. You know, um, had he not been shot and killed in this film is uh, right. in Little Darlings. I mean, he's it's an incredible Absolutely. performance.
0: It's, to me, it's the same guy. Basically, it, that's
1: what I'm saying. It's like it's like a had he lived. It was like the would,
0: summer before. Yeah, uh you know the, the fall when he gets shot with back to school. Right, yeah, right. Well, so, and
2: another connection too to this type of teen rebel movie, The Outsiders. You know, of course his performance yeah. is great in that too. Totally. And there, there was an interesting tidbit that connecting that, that. You know, you were mentioning that the uh, the the writers went out and like interviewed all the kids when they were writing the script, and they there was I read an interview where they were talking about how they um all the kids were reading S.E. Hinton novels. Like that was oh, something wow. that came up again and again.
0: Stay golden, Pony so, Boy. Wow.
2: yeah <laughs> i wish well, matt Dillon had like a a better career rehab you know it's like um you know like something Go about like Boston. yeah well that's what, that's your you're your, uh, great He's something about mary no i know but i wish that you know i wish that he had like that was yeah. like ninety five or whatever i wish i want another matt yeah. Dillon like renaissance Resurgence. like yeah. you know like yeah. uh, fucking what what's his name just got the whale i want matt dylan to come back you know? <laughs> whale. right
0: hey you know what it might happen because because he's might. got the good man he's matt fucking well, he Dillon.
1: That, he did that he did that um that lars von trier thing right for a minute that was the, the where he's a serial oh, killer oh yeah i didn't
0: see yeah, that that was a long time ago
1: that's uh, true well, so yeah
0: so so anyway so you got him um you also side note i'm maybe going to transition to some of my favorite scenes kind of jump those off with you guys Vincent Spano is also premiering in this film and he's great and one of my favorite scenes in the film is uh, he's another kind of thug who's less hanging he doesn't hang with Carl really in fact there's antagonism but Carl uh, sees when Carl runs away he sees that the Vincent Spano characters run away like long term uh and living in a van down by the river basically yeah uh in a tent in this like with his dirt bike in the mud and he's just like dropped out of society and it's such a great small scene where they bond and they kind of just look at each other and it's like like uh like wayward youth and it's just it's just a a great performance by spano there's a making of a star right there but i just want to say that. Uh, just was saying before about the authenticity of of having in the background all the real kids I think another master stroke of the film is maybe underrepresented in people's appreciation are those quiet scenes like where he meets up with Spano uh you know in the mud but also all those scenes where they walk in the field this one opens up to you guys they walk in the field and it almost looks like a beautiful foreign like European film and and the music's great and it's like the sun is setting. It's very melancholy. And it's so barren, so abandoned. And, mm-hmm. and just these, these figures walking in these lonely landscapes of just nothing and empty houses. So Yeah, I,
2: I thought the same. I thought the same when I was watching this, also when they're walking through like the neighborhood and stuff. I thought like far, part of me was just like if I squint and like change the language i could imagine this could be a, a foreign film you know like yeah. it could be a french film or something yeah. uh you know Varga or something i mean the, but kaplan the director like he is like french or english or something right like he's he's uh, from he's from england i, I think um and yeah. yeah weird tidbit he was directing um Uh uh, Who Killed Bambi, the Sex Pistols movie that Roger Ebert wrote? Oh. He was the director. I thought that was Wes Meyer. He was also involved, but like I guess Kaplan was involved at one stage of it. You know, it never got made or whatever. Right. But uh and I I know he was like a Corman guy too, so I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but I know both of those things that he was. Working with Corbin, and then he was involved yeah. with like the Sex Pistols movie. So he does, maybe he brought a little bit of that European sensibility to it. And that's why he seems
0: it, like, feels well, a bit. no, totally. And that's why I brought that up. Like, I, I want to kind of shout out the filmmaking in this, on this yeah. podcast. Let and me, that's what I was doing before. So Kaplan's a very sensitive, really creative guy. I just wanted to keep making those points. Uh, and me, so, yes. Marcus. Me, he really, I'm sure knows all his French new wave and stuff.
1: The thing about like, I think that that scene that you brought up earlier, you know, um, about, I think Mark is Spano's character's name. I think, I think it's Mark. Uh, um, I think so. Yeah. I think it's Mark. Uh, so yeah. Vincent Spano's character, you know, meets up with Carl. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. With Carl. And, yeah. um, it's, it's such a great moment too when you see them cause obviously they're at odds right from the beginning. I mean, Mark, you know is kind of uh like the film opens up with him sort of sniping down at you know cop cars with his bb gun incredible
0: to the tune of cheap tricks hello there ladies and gentlemen i know and it's fucking rips Great way to open a movie.
1: Great way to open a movie. Obviously, we're getting to like a view of this, you know, su- like suburban hellscape with all these new developments, and then we're also seeing that. We're also seeing, you know, Vincent Spano's character sniping down at
0: at a uh, cop. Oh, and his uh, and his Neanderthal uh, long blonde-haired friend. Yeah. Shout yeah, out yeah. to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Totally. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And then. Uh, Bonk. And then basically Carl, and you sort of see them get the heat, you know, for what Vincent Spano's characters did to the cops, and of course, you know, that's when they find the switchblade on Richie, and...
0: Uh Uh-huh. How big is this blade, White? Three inches. Almost as big as your dick.
1: (laughs) That's when things start to really escalate, when you start to... When when the film introduces that these cops... Uh, or the authority figures in this town are hell bent on fucking keeping these kids down, and we should say special shout out to the cop who uh, is Doberman. our homeboy, who's our who's our our homeboy from Taxi Driver, who's hawking them Errol, Finn, uh, 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 Errol he Flynn, Errol Flynn, so great,
0: trials. he's great in everything. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely an MVP character actor, and it's great yeah. to see him here. He shreds as a as a douchebag kind of like pear shaped, like a redneck a California <laughs> cop. There's there's a very uh, special kind of redneck it's a California redneck and he's so that you know so, anyway no
1: totally yeah his name is Harry Northrop. so shout out to you you know keep selling shouts arrow big flip <laughs> but anyway so yeah. just to put a bow on what you were saying so that's kind of how we're introduced to this and then of course Mark beats the shit out of Carl in that amazing moment which we see after the Incredible. house party I mean I'm bringing up all these amazing scenes but you see this amazing yeah. verite house party that's very authentic to what oh. kids in the late 70s you well, know. again,
0: well, just well, just to stay on that, I think that the filmmakers were being led by the teens. And just to give, uh, yeah. uh, to flesh that out even more, yes, they were, the kids were, the you know, the uh, unknown kids were cast, non-actors. They picked the music, like like wow. they deferred to the kids. Like, yeah, they were like, um, they couldn't pick everything. Like they couldn't, they probably, I think the kids were like, we listen to Led Zeppelin like constantly. No, we so listened to Bob
1: O'Reilly, which they couldn't get, I heard
0: it was expensive but <laughs> yeah. they could have gotten it. But, but anyway my point is like they would go like we're into this we're into joe walsh we're into foreigner we're into so they were leading the way and so they would lead the way about what they said what they listened to how they acted that kid who chews on the beer can oh that was just that just happened Amazing. <laughs> like and they happened to have their camera fixed on that guy and he just started doing that because yeah. he was basically at a party in his mind and just like this is what i do to impress the ladies You're like oh. yeah. so like it's very yeah. tight. it's very yeah
2: tight. it's by design too I the, the interviewer with the kaplan was talking about how he was really into frederick Wiseman, and like so Ooh. i think that was his like there you go I, right. that was his idea for how to make the film let's just say it so cool.
0: it's almost Smart like it's 17. really cool
2: because it's one of those movies that it doesn't register the first time you watch it like that there's this craft and technique behind exactly. it to how they're getting it you know exactly. and i guess that's what makes it a really good movie because like you, you you don't feel you're not getting hit over the head with the craft you know it just it's just working exactly. so
0: well but it's but the word i would use, i was thinking when i rewatched it everything is so considered you know mm-hmm. and just to, to, to just put a button on what we were just talking about that great scene which that one always got me. and I talked to my friend Luke uh, and uh, cut chemist is a huge fan shout out to him uh, of this film and uh, we all we both immediately went like dude the scene where Carl gets beat up and the choice to pull out all the the, the OG sound you know and to just have that beautiful music done by yeah Jonathan Kaplan's father Saul Kaplan and um you know and it's just it feels someone described it as the scene is in slow motion actually and I was like oh it's it's not yeah (laughs) but it feels (laughs) like it because isn't it weird because of that choice cool and and they and the thing is that's the thing Jonathan Kaplan said in the commentary it's like the you know the incidental sound was there like the punching and the ooh ah and all that and they went let's just lose it and those are the kind of small considered choices that show real artistry and that's where the real respect for Kaplan has to happen like there's so much intention. On a subtle level, Mark, just like you were saying. It's not like screaming at you, no. except you know. Maybe this is a big lyrical moment, the beat up in, in the part in the playground, but, um, but uh, but throughout the whole film, it's considered.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely setting the bar, you know, for these coming of age films and like how you should approach the material. It's really fucking smart. Great smart choices one after the other, and exactly. so um, just to kind of bring it all back around this, you know, amazing, you know, scene where, you know, uh, Vincent Spano beats up uh, Carl, the main character. And, and then, of course, after that, you know, we're seeing this onslaught of our of our cop, you know, our main cop character, the main villain of the film. you know he's sort of the warden of this town. I mean, this guy is r- keeping everybody down. And I think a major theme of this movie is really exploring like, man, like, um, trying to control what you, you know, shouldn't you know, trying to overly control, you know what you shouldn't, and it's gonna. And, and, and the more you push back, the more it's gonna push back on you. And that's well the that generational yeah. thing, right? Um, but so it's so great to see in that scene you were talking about about when Spano and Carl get on the same page is so yeah. fucking great. When you see they're like, "Yeah, what's up? What's up? Let's," you know, right? Like that's the best. And yeah. and of course, like and and I don't know. It's just it's it's amazing. Just going full circle from you know how they're you know adversarial to being on the same page right. based upon the oppression oh, like Car- that they're both. Carl killing.
0: Carl greets him and says hello by shooting him with the BB gun. Yes, <laughs> you know? exactly. Which is <laughs> like <laughs> too, you know? real. No, and too then, real. And then Spano's character just goes like, you know, touche, are we yeah, even Yeah, nice you know? shot.
1: We're even oh, totally.
0: yeah. <laughs> it's like a, I think what you're I think what you're saying, Evan, I think what you're saying, Evan, something about that scene that really sticks with me is like it's an understanding. It's like kid kid uh yeah. kids speak. You know, like yeah. like teen teen uh simpatico and kid you know like you know and it's just and it's not overplayed at all it's not overarched like in a kind of campy movie like a rebel without a cause you know like kind of the classic mid-century like dramaturgy you know it's like very a lot of naturalism is what I'm trying to say even in these small two character scenes Mm -hmm. just great and it's all shot really well um so
2: Sorry, this is the right. We are jumping all over the place in this one, but just one more reference that popped in when I was researching stuff was that he was you know that naturalism that you're talking about. The uh, another film that he was super inspired by when he's when he sat to make this film was Superfly. He was really no, inspired by. No like, Yeah, yeah. And I love I like,
0: that
1: this guy is our director. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, team captain <laughs> yeah. all day. Team, team captain.
0: But um, <laughs> um but uh. Yeah, so
1: it's it's just it's just a beautiful moment with you know Mark and Carl they 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 team up because they really also I think realize that they're being pitted against each other by the powers that be. That's what I was trying to say is that they're they're on the level because you know they're 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 starting to get hip to what's actually happening. You know, yeah, and that of course is um, and then. Real quick. They take action. (laughs) Yeah, they take fucking serious action for you know an incredible last act of the movie there. But one thing I do just want to say to just to put a last final bow on the real estate end of things too is this all like a, a total button gets put on all of this when you see in that moment when there's the guy who's giving the speech in front of everybody at school, you know, while the kids are locking up all the you know surrounding areas so they can't get out in the school. And that the rec room's closed
0: for the day. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And then there's that, like, community leader who gets up and says,
0: that A community with a juvenile crime problem is not a community with a high property resale value. I am interested they in the health of this community. That's
1: the, that's like the main, <laughs> you know, that's what the movie is, right fucking there. And it got me thinking, like, these kids who are, like, trapped in this, like, weird, like, you know, globe like closed in shell society. It's like it almost does feel like um, It's an
0: experimental society. You I was know? just going to say and that. It's, no, it feels. Yeah,
1: it feels to me like an experimental society, like akin to like, dare I say, like a J.G. Ballard sort of story, like a like a high rise or like you know something like that, where it's yeah, like some probably. sort of quasi science fiction experimental. Well, that's it.
0: It's all a very in the mid mid century is, is a lot of social engineering going on. Yeah. And that goes all the way to Nazism, <laughs> to uh, Marxism. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like social engineering is this weird thing that does trickle down into these kind of strange bad ideas of having like the perfect town because like uh, or communities aren't organically rising naturally from like, you know, commerce and then like the workers who come for the commerce, you know, like, like you know, all these cities start from sea, you know, seaport areas, You know so what i'm saying is there's an organic rise to communities and cultures but in this place it's like it's it's like a microwave culture and society you know it's just like uh all right let's just give it 90 days and then suddenly you know like we're gonna have everything and uh and everything will be fine because we've um thought about it and we've angled it perfectly so it's like impossible for it to fail because we've like mapped it mapped out how society a society is going to work in microcosm it's like doesn't work that way but people really got into social engineering in the 20th century i think it's kind of out of favor now
2: yeah right well there's still so much of this happening where they they build a they don't build like neighborhood grids the way that they used to like right like with a a town like a city hall in the center of town and like a a town square and then like yeah. a, a tiny little cute downtown area and then all right. the houses and neighborhoods are on a grid that bleed out from that no they don't do that anymore they build like these box stores on the side of the highway uh, yeah. where everybody like uh, the people that work in those box stores live in like some uh, a condominiums like sort of behind there or apartment buildings behind there
0: With, like and the people that
2: shop and the people that shop in those you know, box stores live in these like uh, zoned, you know, like developments that are like next yeah. to a golf course You're or whatever, right. you know, right. like they still are doing this and like, still happening. it's like all of America is basically becoming new Granada, you know, in a way it's like, everything is just still, I think everything is still going that way. Yes. Like a lot of people did come back to the cities and they build all these condos going up, but I still, every time I go to a place, a, a smaller town, like I see I see like the Walmart's coming in that didn't used to be there and the development's cruising yeah. in everywhere, you know, Box especially town. like in where I'm from in Montana. I see that happen a lot. Oh, okay. And, yeah. And I don't so, have yeah, a lot I mean, of personal experience sort of, with that. Yeah. I mean, I guess the East coast was sort of like, so developed, you know, before like that saying, trend, yeah. you know, right. and like, and the West has still just got all this open room where they're like, like you said, there used to be a, maybe there's a gravel pit that now is like a Walmart parking lot or something, you yeah. know, so really it's,
0: gross. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's, inorg- it's just inorganic, and it doesn't consider like n- not just like children's feelings and and and, and, and emotions, but um, the adults even, you know. So, uh, like, I don't think the adults are happy in New Granada either, you know. <laughs> not really.
1: No, no, doesn't seem I, like it. No, and 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 it's also interesting too because. It's like this. This weird dissertation I read too was talking about how the movie. Uh, he was comparing the movie to also like a western, like a classic western. You know, in, in terms of, because like <laughs> you know westerns, westerns are like you know, uh, like you know community like. Conflict at the yeah. center of a Western is like territory and, you know, tribal conflicts and, and how
2: the, yeah, and yeah. how the,
1: and, and how the kids represent more of the <laughs> wild West and the boomer parents are more of the colonizers,
2: you know, and there's right. the, the, corrupt, of, the corrupt lawman, the corrupt sheriff. Yep. You know. yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's wow. kind of this,
1: like cool. Yeah. Which I think is a cool take on, you know, what the movie is. So I don't know, just kind of interesting, but um, I, I think I know where you want to go. Cause I know we want to talk about more of these great lyrical moments in the movie
0: and I'm going to tie it all I together. do, yeah.
1: I, I know one yeah. on the tip of your tongue because it was one of mine too, which um, I think also speaks to the theme of real estate. And it's kind of visually shown yeah. in this scene, which is amazing, is that all the kids kind of hang out. Once the rec center's closed, they kind of hang out or they also hang out at a sort of unfinished, half-finished, one of these incredible. half-finished model homes, which is amazing choice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's, it's incredible. Yeah, brilliant choice for the film because it plays into the themes and it adds more to the authenticity. Yeah, but it's a visual
0: um, re- metaphor, Yeah, it's you know, mean. like, when yeah. you're, you know, it's like you see them in this, they're playing house, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, it's really, really incredible. And of course, there's this great relationship that sparks between, you know, the main character, Carl, and oh my God, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, well, the actress
0: is Pamela Ludwig. Right, and uh, I don't remember her name. <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> yeah. Character, right? Exactly. The character.
1: Yeah, yeah. But she, she. Oh well. uh, but they, they have this great moment that does remind me of another one. Fucking hour classic. Uh, uh, um, welcome to the dollhouse. A little bit. They kind of share that kind of moment. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, but in reverse yes. a little bit. Um.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. You yeah,
1: and, and they kind of share this great moment, and they, they they you know Carl and her spend the night together, and then and then they wake up, and it's these beautiful shots framed of like a dawn. Incredible. Of, both of them and and, against, and you know
0: there was a yeah. fire in the hills and that's why there's these these huge plumes of smoke when when he watches her walk away oh wow oh, awesome yeah it looks it's incredible. just it's just you know fortuitous uh, that that happened you know he was just yeah. lucky but um that actually like uh, a yeah so scene too.
1: actually it, no totally well it is like a, the west yeah. you know, like the landscape like, colorado like the, like the shack you know that the hero has to yeah you know kind of you know, get get all healed up in before he goes. Got to get there. on his
0: horse and leave in the morning. Like you know, wreck to like burn and, 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 and meet up down. with <laughs> yeah. and meet up with Spano, yeah. who's you know with his horse. You know, yeah. down by the river. <laughs> <You> <laughs> <know>. <laughs> it's very interesting. It's, it? I got to kind of stew on that, yeah. but I just want. I think maybe we should flesh out some of the people in the film. Like, sure. um, there's our leads, you know, and there's this great uh, that that kind of big bone gal who hangs out with them. It yeah. was really into like yeah let's let's shoot the gun you know she's great that is not an actress <laughs> she just went to the high school where they shot it and Made she's it. great and the thing is what i'm saying is she, i think she rose to the occasion and they thought she could we could give her some dialogue and some exchanges with our real actors you know love her then let's not forget the mvp maybe of the night who's um the kid who's mute uh, uh I've forgotten his name that's yeah, his in, brother claude's, like claude's brother, brother. An incredible visual rendering new wave sunglasses little skateboard long hair mute but the scene i just want i'm just going to keep talking about lyrical scenes this one kills iconic me. that look exactly yeah. Yeah. but here's what kills me is uh a uh carl paul call, carl calls him from running away and just checks in like is richie dead is he alive you know and and of course this kid is um he's mute right so he has to just do like tap once for yes tap no for you know tap once for no or whatever and so um but of course the uh, the little uh, mute kid is watching our favorite thing which is an atario video music player which is the insane uh, like abstract like uh Navajo p- blanket patterns yeah. that are playing that he's watching when the phone rings he's like you know, I'm <laughs> watching TV which is like repeating <laughs> pulsations patterns. of color video synthesis yeah like, yeah. like, like, <laughs> yeah. like that and the implication is like this guy is deeply stoned and he's like yeah. 12 <laughs> it's incredible but it's also haunting so that's that's a great detail that they that they it, I'm sure Jonathan Kaplan was like yes that is what (laughs) that little kid's doing when he the phone rings but also it's very haunting and it's played very well the music's great when he does do the tap the very consequential tap which I I think is no is uh I don't remember yes is yes one tap yeah and that's the thing like is Richie dead is what Carl asked the the mute kid and he just goes tap you know and I mean, that's, that's filmmaking, man. You know, it's It's nighttime and a phone booth for Carl, Mm -hmm. the alienation. The film is a huge bummer, you know? And, and I really, and it's, I don't know if it's like ahead of its time, but like, this is only 1979 and, and dealing with teenagers and they didn't do this they didn't do these things there was no there's no animal house comic relief movie. no that's what i'm saying you know like like there's no like or like uh like the cheerleaders or you know like um they put saltpeter in the in the chili in the, in the cafeteria you know all the stupid movies but there was another movie actually there's another movie when i was a kid that was constantly it was called hots h-o-t-s
2: oh, yeah. yeah right
0: and i watched that one every day that was it was either over the edge or hots when i was a kid on cable but uh oh and also here's my weekly obligatory B- danny Bonaducci shout out uh hots <laughs> take out hots 1979 starring danny Bonaducci singing like musical numbers it's good mm. shit. so what well, i'm saying <laughs> oh, yeah that was normal hots where over the edge is just like weird and sour and and mm-hmm. beautiful and like a foreign film so warner brothers was like no yeah, it's ahead this. of its time. Yeah. I think.
1: I think it was ahead of its time, and I think that um, mm-hmm. I think that probably had something to do with the you know wrong wrong place, wrong time kind of thing you know for it because, yeah, yeah it's but it, it's been rediscovered and um but if I could quickly shout out my I, I know we touched on him a little bit but I want to give him a little more time is is Claude do it you know oh, Claude, Claude dude <laughs> um, Claude really is incredible in this movie and I think just another oh, amazing you know real life. Sort of authentic moment in this movie that seems like it must have just you know been based on a true story is you know him dropping acid at school. It was
2: supposed to be speed, but I think
0: it was acid. I'm flash. Really? Feels so. I took uh, speed, but I think it's acid, man. I'm yeah. flash. <laughs> yeah. And of course, and of course, what's today's lesson? The paintings of Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: God.
1: No, it's Bosch amazing. Acid, yeah. But he, he plays that he plays that so well, but I mean like I feel like you wouldn't see a scene like that in any other Hollywood film because I don't think even Hollywood no. filmmakers no. are even
2: aware that a kid his age
1: <laughs> are, are is taking acid yeah. at school at that yeah, age.
2: Yeah. They wouldn't and, believe and it. it. And of course, it wouldn't be a, if they did it today. It wouldn't be done as well because they would immediately kick in Jefferson airplane, you know, and then the, the camera would start to Dutch, and you'd start to zoom in on his eyeball as his as his like uh, you know pupils getting bigger, and then you know right uh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I thought, this is a but that, that sweaty fear that he's seeing in his yeah. eyes. I swear that is the same look <laughs> yeah. that the kid that I knew that took acid at school <laughs> yeah. you know, like came up to yeah, me yeah, he and was like. This. I'm on acid you know I was yeah, like okay no doubt. uh <laughs> yeah, like really me. rolling really <laughs> oh, rolling really and, rolling and yeah, yeah
0: what's and there's almost <laughs> a, there is a comical element to it because he's doing really bad with the with the Hieronymus Bosch slideshow but then it's like <laughs> meanwhile an hour later they're at the assembly watching the vandalism 16 millimeter educational film and it's like Carl's doing even worse he's like oh and then he, yeah. and of course the classic line Carl is like sorry Claude Claude is saying like so destructive oh, because in the yeah. 16 millimeter in the 16 millimeter educational film they're like don't do this kids and they're like breaking windows and things, and yeah. so destructive <laughs> that is Maybe my favorite moment. In I know, movie. me too, dude. dude I I'm think telling it is. You, it is. Th-
1: that's that's a director and a team working on another fucking level. Really,
0: <laughs> and you know what's yeah, funny? You know what's funny? And Actually, I, I got I got definitive word that because uh, I wasn't sure because Claude is, I guess, the actor is such a good actor. Well, my point, what I'm trying to say is, Claude was an actor. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, I thought maybe like the kind of the big bone gal was just pulled out of the. Uh, the background of the of the actual kids no he was an actor but he's really good and i think that he does sell naturalism really well like when he's like talking mm-hmm. about like yeah man like uh can i get another lid of hash off you and like <laughs> yeah, sweet yeah. hey tip hey claude
1: how's it going pretty good just getting mellow man got some hash excellent how
0: much like that feels like that a documentary but that guy's an actor I got my little I got stuffed my,
2: peppers I, stuffed peppers tonight. Yeah, I can't miss <laughs> no. that. Shit.
0: Stuffed peppers tonight. We don't want to miss that, do we, Johnny? We can't miss oh, that. Oh boy. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, his, his <laughs> line readings are his line readings are fucking on point. But dude, my little anecdote on Claude though yeah. is um, the first time I saw a Sonic Youth album. So okay, I'm obsessed with this movie and then like 2 years later, I'm in New York City and I'm, i get uh I'm looking at Bad Moon Rising. And I look at the back of the cover, and I go, "That's Claude. That is Claude." And I went like for two seconds. I went, "Oh my God, the actor is in a band now." Yeah, or, or he is. Yeah, and it's it's Thurston Moore. So yeah. that was my connection. Um, Thurston Moore looks exactly like Claude, and I, you know I'm right.
1: I, I, I'm 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 seeing Claude here. Uh, I'm looking him up uh, on his you know IMDb. I think this is his he's only in, film role.
0: Yeah, he's now an entertainment Damn. lawyer is what uh, the commentary (laughs) said oh tiny yeah I know is not funny no he's totally together you know like um, because I thought he was like he died in 1984.
1: yeah exactly yeah I know right it's Claude
0: (laughs) one little tiny Claude thing just to geek out hard is so Claude there's the riot which we should probably close the show with talk about the riot but maybe we this is gets into it I love like you're like hey what's Claude been up to you know, like let's let's check in with Claude during the riot. Hey, Claude, what have you been doing during the riot? Oh, I've been collecting every single headphone in the <laughs> AV class, like the English, you know, the, like like the foreign language class. And I put every single headphone, dozens of them, all over my body. Yeah, that's you guys, so, what I'm saying. Yeah, when he, <laughs> did yeah, you catch when that
1: he, when he's suiting up for the battle? Right, that seemed like his battle. Is that what he's
0: me. doing? I don't know. It kind of like that's his armor
2: that's how i read his it. It was armor like, i think he's, not, was he's just still like, tripping right he's not still tripping right yeah Dude,
0: who knows with, with claude yeah. so okay well the riot do <laughs> you guys want to get into that um yeah 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 I can then, uh, yeah i could start it up it took a couple days So i'm gonna say and then go, you guys go for it um it took a couple days it was a big it was a big shoot and they had problems because the kids could only work a certain amount of time so they like it was very it was very difficult for a lot of reasons but i'll just say this um the first night of shooting the riot part uh keith moon dies like oh. the word got out on like rock radio <laughs> and all the kids were very affected by that they were really shook and stung man they're like keith moon man i can't believe it so they were dealing with they were processing that
2: that's right the riot of course so he's enjoy- an icon of destruction too yes. You know? yes of course,
0: of course. Right. enjoy that yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, obviously the riot scene in the in, in the film is the kind of penultimate, you know, set piece there, and it's it's so yeah. amazing how um, it's great because like there, there's obviously the tension of it building. You see them chaining everybody in.
0: Um, More great, great filmmaking.
1: Yeah, it's great filmmaking, and then of, of course of the
0: slight lead up, yes, like, like you see the kids in the in the background and and the and this boring speakers talking. And yeah. they're like giving the finger, like it's slow escalation. Like yeah. it's almost like the sharks are starting to swim closer to the boat, you know, like mm-hmm. the, brilliant. Yeah. Film. It just I,
1: ratchets up the tension. It's so great. Yeah. Marcus.
2: Yes. Oh, just, I, you know, one thing I think it's so impressive about the riot is that it, it, the feeling that it generates in the audience, like there's a catharsis there. It feels good to watch them destroy those things. And the fact that you can do that, you know, show this, all this destruction and have that effect on the audience where they're sort of elated and like you're excited and you're kind of swept up in the moment and just, it feels good. It feels like you're out there smashing all this stuff. And I don't, that, that's, I think that's an amazing, um, you know, that just shows, an, again, like top notch filmmaking. If you can uh, set know, out to elicit is. that from the audience and you're successful, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's not just like horrifying. It could, you know, right. it could be played lots right. of, so it could be, the effect it has on you could happen lots of ways. It could be scary. It could be like horrifying. You could be like, oh my God, like like, feel dangerous. But I think with this, it feels like it feels good. I know exactly
0: what you're saying. I think Kaplan wanted to infuse, uh, the true feelings of the kids, which is not, it's like, there's no way, you're not identifying with the parents really in this uh, whole film, you know? just going to say that. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause
1: yeah, the, the the whole thing, which that's, what's kind of brilliant about this movie in a lot of ways is that, and that's probably why the studio didn't get it, you know, is because they're probably on the side of juvenile delinquency is our problem, you know? And I think what's so cool about this movie is that it really endears you so much to the kids, you know, um, for obviously throughout the whole entire film, and it's from their perspective. And it's really about, yeah, fuck these adults. Fuck these boomer assholes right. who've created this artificial are there Are bullshit. there any
0: – there's one sympathetic adult, uh, the girl who runs the uh, rec Oh, center. yeah. No,
1: of course, yeah. There's yeah, only one. Yeah, no. The parents sure. suck. Yeah, everyone sucks in the movie, but I mean, it's it's really like this oppressive world that they're having to live in. I mean, they're constantly living under a microscope. Everything they do is like magnified. They're being harassed and abused like constantly until they're pushed, you know, over the edge, over the edge. Um, hey, and over it's, the hello. <laughs> I didn't even mean to say that. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, it's it's just, it's it's so great how the movie, any movie, any type of revenge film or any type of movie like that where you really can get behind that moment and you're like yeah. cheering them on yeah. and like, fuck yeah, it's mm-hmm. so great. And then, of course, tension and release, tension, release. But then also to see all of that footage being captured so well and like, you know, handheld, amazing doc, doc style, you know, it's, can man. I give you
0: one tidbit? Uh, just just like like my running theme here is just like the brava filmmaking. Yeah. Kaplan realized that he wanted to have. How can I put this? Um, some kind of a visual anchor uh, for the riots, like something like a, a large some thing that your mind can, um, keep pinging to. And he picked the huge white tuba.
2: You know what yeah, I, mean? I was wondering about? Bl- I was, I was wondering why that kid is right. Cause the, you see it. It was when you see it later and the police cars chasing them and you see that kid still carrying the tuba. I was really wondering why is he still doing that? that that's a great,
0: um, could be a weird little gag
2: tidbit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, well, no, but I'm saying Kaplan had intention. He's like, he wanted to, um, yeah he i think he didn't want to have um it to just be a big messy mush and he wanted to have like at least one thing that like this really has a sharp ping visual ping because otherwise it is kind of like a mess like just like kids bodies and like like broken things and he Mm -hmm. wanted to have some kind of little uh like a like a painter's brush touch uh that keeps reoccurring uh, every now and then, in the milieu of the right. general chaotic code, <laughs> you love know what that. I'm saying?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Great filmmaking, um, absolutely.
1: What, wh- One thing too about the riot, just observation, real quick, because you know I love plugging our other episodes. I mean, I'm here to plug our other episodes. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the ending, you know, to me, the chaos of the ending felt a lot like not only one of our other episodes, but another 1979 film. Um oh, A God. lot. Was it? It has some Dawn of the Dead energy, you know. Which
0: yeah! Was, wow! I never thought of that. You know, You're and, and so right. And guess what? It's
1: another Ooh, film. Shit! It's another film about uh, fucking materialistic comfort and sequestering yourself in yeah. that, and then oh, uh, and well, crit- shitty suburbs. Yeah. Same dead, dead
2: themes. Dead, 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 yeah. dead in suburbs. A critique of yeah. capitalist society. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Good double
0: feature.
1: Yeah. death. oh,
0: oh. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Can I? Jesus. Um. Yeah, go ahead. Good. Well just well just backtracking remember when i did say that warner brothers wanted to that we're trying to market this as a horror film to people so maybe that's what warner brothers saw like uh like like what i'm saying is like four four millionaire executives with like three kids each are watching this and that riot scene is not going down like Marcus said you know like uh the cathartic and like identification it's like to them, that's like a Dawn of the Dead scene. <laughs> yeah. That's what I right. mean? Right. It's, right. It is.
1: It is. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Exa- oh, this is a horror movie. These kids are attacking us. Right. That's, what, that's how like, they're seeing it. Like <laughs> Warner Brothers is
0: like, of course we're marketing this like a horror movie. Aren't you it's seeing horror this movie. horror movie? <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. That's 100%. Wow. Um, Sick. There we right. go. Coming out We've of the '60s it.
2: too, where like the youth, the youth generation was like a threat for like to society for like a brief moment in time, right? For like six months, people were like afraid that the the youth culture was going to like yeah. oh, take yeah. American society wild and, in the
0: streets, like you said that, earlier, right? Right.
1: And that's where all right. this was heading. I mean, into the '80s. I mean, war on drugs, war on youth. You know, th- that yeah, was going to be. I'm glad you're bringing that up. Like, like this movie set the tone for where we were about to go into the 80s, I feel like, in a lot of different ways. You know, with society and with culture and, and film and everything, I think it's really ahead of its time. in Well, things. yeah. It's hey, interesting, like,
2: just noting about the the the, um, the John Hughes thing, when you were bringing that up, I was just noting that those kids aren't rebellious. You know, they are, like, they might party too much or whatever, but they are, dude. Uh, you know, they're preppy kids, they're living in society, like, more or less behaving by the rules. Yeah, they might dress funny occasionally, you well, know, they but they're just
0: having fun. Yeah. Here. They're just, there having
2: fun. And that, that is the eighties. It's like, don't rock this the boat. This is before, right? this
1: is before the slacker generation. This is before the slacker generation where kids, you mean were, like were, Kurt Cobain? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, this is where like these where kids, have clatter, a, they have something clatter. to, they have something to fight for. Like the, they, they have a purpose yeah. and they're going to fight for it and they're going to get it. And that's very different.
0: Here's a good word for, for this. They're bored, but they're also dissatisfied and they feel like they've gotten like uh the short end of the stick. It's like, what is this bullshit in this adult life? You know? But they're dissatisfied and they're and they're pushing back against it, you know. But
1: ironically, they're not apathetic like Tim Hunter's, yeah. the, the, you know, the next film, you know, River's Edge, where that's all about oh, yeah.
2: apathy and, yeah. you know, it's nihilistic connection, nihilistic. I, you know, yeah. I guess The Breakfast Club does rebel a little bit, right? There's a little bit of that, but they're not... Um... Well,
0: <laughs> well they're represented partly, you know, like a, one of the many people, the jocks. Just right? one, just it's Judd come, right. or
2: whatever. Token, right.
0: yeah. yeah. Guys, we're running out of time, and let's talk about the very end of the film. This is actually a very big deal. So the film ends, as we all see it, with the song ooh, child, things are going to get a little mm-hmm. easier. I've wondered for a long, well, I saw a, a screening of this years ago with the director, and he did, t- uh, my mind was blown, and he said, you know, this is cut to Baba O'Reilly by the who? You know, Teenage wasteland." <laughs> he said it was cut that way. And someone on YouTube, by the way, everybody check it out, oh, put cool. Baba O'Reilly, and, and the cuts and the cuts do line up, kind of. Oh, sweet. Now, the thing oh, is, sweet. there's been a lot of back and forth in the lore of, like, why Baba O'Reilly was not used and child was used. There's a practical reason. Uh, Bob O'Reilly was really expensive, and yeah. Child was peanuts to, to for them to use. You know,
2: you know it's weird but, that, the, oh. that Jimi Hendrix is used. You know, by the way, because that was a real, that's he's really rare to turn up in movies too, just as a side. Well, that's uh,
0: that was Mom Rock for uh, you know Matt Dillon's mother. You know, what's this old shit on eight track? You remember?
1: Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs>
0: but guys, we're running out of time. So, so what I'm saying is is that there was the consideration that Bob O'Reilly was too expensive, but also I, the filmmakers themselves not warner brothers said this is ending so downbeat they're all wasted wasted teenage wasteland and they said "Ooh, child because uh, the producer i think brought it to kaplan and said let's maybe end on a slightly more upbeat uh, uh optimistic note optimistic. And, and they said this song so so i always thought the intention i'm sorry i always thought that it was um Teenage Wasteland, they just couldn't do it because of a money thing, but they actually did make an aesthetic decision to decide to land hmm. on a more and open... And doesn't
1: Carl, like, even road. though Carl's boarding that juvenile bus or whatever, like, doesn't he still have a sense of, like, like the look on his face is like... I'll be fine. You know, I'll be fine, which is great. It'll so be- it does kind of work, you know, with that in, in some ways, right, which I do right. like. Yeah. I mean, it would have been cool for that Bob O'Reilly drop there. It's on YouTube, I, and I it, it, prefer it the the,
2: uh pack a punch. I'll, I'll I do put prefer the, the five stair steps version of, uh, ooh child, yeah. but yeah. the Valerie Carter one has gr- grown on me. I guess yeah.
0: I just, <laughs> I, I've, I've gone back and forth on the ending, but, um, ooh child, knowing the intention of the filmmakers that they wanted to end on a, a more optimistic note. Uh, I respect that. And I like that because it would have been a real crushing. It's like a German downer film. If yeah. you end with, they're all wasted. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> so the last 10 seconds, my uh, anecdote of the, when the, you, cause you brought up the Jimi Hendrix thing, riding around with Matt Dillon, listening to Jimi Hendrix, I think hints at what it would have been like to hang out with Cliff Burton at that same
0: age. So.
1: <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> the, uh, nice one. <laughs>
0: All right, Bam. great that was film, it. great, great to talk, guys. Uh, really fun. Uh, what a movie!
1: We just love that movie a lot. There's a lot to say about that. I mean, one hour is tough on that one. Um, yeah, but uh, definitely. Yeah. Hopefully, you've seen the film, um, and you, or if not, definitely go go out of your way to check it out. It's on uh, Apple. I think you can get it on your Apple TV. There, I just watched okay. it that way, so it's it's, it's available. It's
0: it's yeah. really rewarding stuff. Like not yeah. just the the subject matter. And all the kind of like the the tropes of like you know the, the cultural thing and the seventiesness and cool shirts Yeah, <laughs> it's just right. It's just the fucking filmmaking, you know.
1: Yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about the fucking style. In, in this movie, the the amazing yeah. clothes. God damn it! Barely but, touched uh, on the music, you know. I know. Yeah. Well, Fucked should well, should we
0: make our announcement then? Evan? Well,
1: yeah, we are. Cause I think that that gives us a little cheat to talk about the music. So we well, do have another little surprise for you guys um, in, in relation to this film. Also, going to drop a link for it right now. Probably will pop up on your screen as a bonus little uh, playlist. Ding that uh we're gonna put together for you guys we haven't done a playlist in a minute we did one for streetwise um, streetwise and phantasm we did we did a playlist for (laughs) phantasm oh that's right which is dope (laughs) that we did that i love that one i love when we put playlists together based around movies so that's we should get into the habit of that so tom tell us a little bit about the songs inspired by over the edge i don't know
0: well okay so there is a soundtrack on vinyl and it's dope and it's pretty Mm -hmm. much all the big monster songs from the movie uh Ramones, uh comes in so fucking hard, you know, in the movie. It, does. it uh, does. with the ACDC poster. Um yeah, so all the big songs in the movie, like you really Cheat got Trick. Oh the of cars. course, G-Trick, Surrender when they're playing with the gun. So all the iconic songs in the film are on an old vinyl soundtrack and it's fucking dope as hell. But I don't know, I was thinking about um, 1979 and the music these kind of kids would be listening to. And then maybe, like, they're 15 and 16, and it's 1980, 1981, maybe stopping in 92. I don't know. I got a little sprung on that idea. And um, it's basically radio rock. It's what you'd hear on the radio. There's no, like, strange proto this or that or, like, deep no. cuts. Yeah. It's just, like, uh, it might have Abacab on it by Genesis. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: because can I, can I say one more thing? People also do peg this film a lot as, like, oh it's all these metal heads in the in the smoking section in the back of the school it's actually tonally the kids are, are a little different like like there's kind of like I said there's a new wave look that the, the yeah. kid has and like um they're, they're just like,
2: bg's a- bg's t-shirts and Aerosmith t-shirts right and, and Jefferson
0: Starship shirts so I guess what I'm saying is it's not really the way I'm envisioning it is we're not going to make a playlist that's just like Motorhead and like metal. No. it's like it's actually like it's, it's sort of, part of it is when uh, um, synthesizers meet hard rock, like the cars in the film. The cars are in the film, too. So I kind of wanted to play with that because that was a big sound um, in that period where it was a power pop journey hard rock guitars yeah yeah, yeah. exactly There's a little bit yeah. of
2: that crossover like 70s rock new wave thing like cheap trick you know is, cheap yeah, and the exactly. cars are both yeah, those perfect. bands that like yeah people will get confused whether or not they were like a new wave band or a uh yeah. or a classic rock band you
0: know? yeah, yeah yeah and then like then you get into things like lover boy you know lover boy yeah, yeah and i know yeah. you guys and, and oh and the last thing i'll say is my main inspiration when i was making my submissions for this playlist is yeah. uh the last act of boogie nights actually yeah, you Sister know?
1: Christian, right? Right? Is that what just you mean? Just that kind of...
0: Yeah, well, that just like... No, even just tonally, the way the... You know, it's like burnt tash- out, cocaine, Bad hair. The haircuts are getting bad now. The clothes are kind of like, <laughs> like like yeah. like fugly looking. You know, okay. like... Uh, so, that's my thought.
1: Well, everybody, ch- <laughs> check out our songs inspired by Over the Edge uh, playlist mm-hmm. that uh, should have popped up on your screen or it'll be in the and, description. Uh, oh, just shit. just want to show
0: this off. A, uh, a press book from Japan, of Over the Edge. Wow. Good stuff. And um, maybe we can talk about... uh, Well, we'll do the moment in a minute, right?
1: Yeah. Well, do do you want to set up the moment, or do you want to let the moment rip? Just
0: a little bit. Um, We're uh, we're laying on you guys a very rare uh, thing. It's the original Over the Edge trailer, like I kept blabbing about, that Warner Brothers were trying to say it's a horror movie, and it's fucking cool and so wrong and wow. i just think it looks like the brood or something it, it looks like all the kids are, are or it looks like um a, i love it loud video by kiss actually ah. it's just like that with glowing eyed ne'er-do-well teenagers in the suburbs who are going to um kill your cat and uh, drive your car into a telephone pole. Yeah, it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned that
2: because I was the poster is is like that too. You know, the, that's what the OG, OG the, poster for the movie the OG poster has that is, vibe. Um,
0: the same graphic is uh, fuels this incredible. Yeah, it's like trip.
2: scary kids. You know? like, yeah. So we'll Z show you the horror. trailer. Yeah. It's wow. a real
0: treat because I, I couldn't find it on YouTube or anything, but yeah. I do actually have it. So and shout out to that. sh- and,
1: and and shout out to kids too because you know this movie too <laughs> is very there's a lot of KISS aesthetic going on with these. These are a lot of KISS fan kids, and I think it perfectly captures that. They're talking about them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, That's right.
0: And I love it. And when I saw Love It Loud, well, I don't know what order it was in, but uh, when I saw Over the Edge, I thought the first thing I thought of was the Love It Loud video,
1: actually. Wow, amazing. Yeah. So, all right, check all that shit out. We're going to get to our moment in just a minute, but let's talk about next week, um, episode 49. Uh, Okay, so listen up. Uh, next week obviously is Thanksgiving or actually this week as you're watching it uh, this week as this episode is landing we're heading into Thanksgiving so our schedule is going to be a little up in the air right now in terms of when we'll be able to all record and our schedules will align during given the holiday but we're going to announce we're going to announce what our next title is uh, right now and so it, it'll drop when it drops but here's what it is I'm very excited about this we're going to have a brand new special guest on the show first timer on the show oh yeah and uh, he's one of our favorite filmmakers, is he not, Tom? I mean, sure, and yeah. a friend. You he's know. a filmmaker and a friend. We're very excited. Uh, we are going to be joined uh, by uh, his name is Buddy G, or AKA Buddy Giovanazzo. Uh, he is a good friend of mine. He directed the film Combat Shock back in the day in 1986 or 1984. Maybe he filmed yeah. it in. We should do that mm. film as a one fucking hour at some point. Sure, um, of course. <clears throat> but so, Buddy G is going to be showing up on one fucking hour to talk about maybe awesome. the ultimate Thanksgiving film. Um, we have a real, <laughs> feast. a real feast, yeah, a real feast. Uh, definitely, we're going to be. I can't believe we're doing this, but I'm really looking forward to it. But I guess we're doing it. <laughs> it's a little bit of a stunt stunt film here for Thanksgiving, but I'm very excited. There's a fascinating history with this movie. It's a crazy oh, yeah. movie, and there's a lot oh, to talk yeah. about. So here we go. Oh, Yeah. We're going to be doing nine, a 1975 Pierre Pas- Paolo Pasolini film, Salo or the 120 Days of Sodom. Uh, Yay. Happy Thanksgiving.
0: <laughs> you can skip yeah. watching that one, Mom.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah Mom, Dad, don't watch
0: that it's, one. Uh, it's, it's a big deal. It was um, a seismically controversial film then, and it's still yeah. controversial.
1: Oh, it's my a God. It's a
0: wild film. and And you're right. The whole surrounding history of it. Is. And including the murder of, I mean, indirectly the murder of Pasolini before yeah. we even played Peterson.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into so, it. So there is a lot to talk about this movie, but yes, be advised, if you if, if you kind of go in blind in the movies that we recommend, you know, going into the next week. If, if you haven't seen Salo, do a little bit of reading on it first before you take the plunge into the movie just so you it's know. really harsh. To, just so you Don't know. Don't watch what it doing. on the
2: plane. Yeah. Don't watch it on the, in public. Yeah, not <laughs> safe for work either. Um,
0: not so, safe for anywhere.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So just know what you're getting into before you kind of take the yeah. blind faith yeah. leap with that movie. But anyway, I can't it's believe. It's a bad you, trip. I'm so glad to be able to say the sentence one fucking hour on Salo or the 120 days of Sodom is next. <laughs> I knew week. we'd get to it at some point, you know? Yeah, exactly. So
0: it'd be very... great to have I, buddy G too. just, you know, yeah. Uh, like I can't, I can't wait. He's awesome. And this
1: is his suggestion is by the way, as well too. So very excited. Right. That's what he, that's what he wanted to bring on with the show. So I'm very excited about that. So, <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, let's wrap it up. Um, and before we let you go, we obviously have to bring you home and with you know to gold bags with a nice old serving of mommin' inside. So, okay, everybody, have a yeah. good Thanksgiving. Have a great uh, rest yeah. of your week. Um, and we will talk to you all soon and see you on the next one. All right, everybody. So long. Bye-bye.
0: New Granada, a perfectly planned community where something strange is happening, something that wasn't part of the plan, something that could drive this town over the edge, over the edge, rated PG. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. (laughs) Wicked, man.